Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. We believe that each art is an irreducible, well-worn path which will allow students not only to acquire the skill and content, but to be initiated into the Western tradition. Because the liberal arts require an imitative foundation, they can only come after the establishment of piety and musical and gymnastic training. But because they are the tools of learning, they must precede philosophy, which encompasses all the particular sciences, and the apex, theology. The seven liberal arts are the established paths that tutor the reason and train the mind in virtue. Our schools would do well to hearken them. These are the words taken from Kevin Clark and Ravi Jain's chapter, The Seven Liberal Arts, in their book, The Liberal Arts Tradition, A Philosophy of Christian Classical Education, published by um, Classical Academic Press and recommended here by Andrew Kern at Ask Andrew on the third podcast of Ask Andrew. And I welcome you aboard again. Why on earth did I read that, you're asking? Well, haven't you caught on yet? I like reading really obscure, difficult passages. However, that wasn't so difficult compared to Aristotle, was it? I want to focus on the last two sentences. Well, the second last. The seven liberal arts are the established paths that tutor the reason and train the mind in virtue. You remember the definition that I offered you a couple podcasts ago? Well, last podcast, wasn't it? I said that Christian classical education is the cultivation of wisdom and virtue by nourishing the soul on the true, the good, and the beautiful. But you know what? There's more to it because the the way we cultivate wisdom and virtue has a heritage to it, has a a well-worn path, as Clark and Jane put it in their book. Well-worn paths, in fact, seven of them. And those seven paths are what we are calling, what the tradition calls, the seven liberal arts. Let me expand my definition a little bit for you and then try to explain what I'm talking about here. Christian classical education, I said, was the cultivation of wisdom and virtue by nourishing the soul on the true, the good, and the beautiful. And now I add, by means of the seven liberal arts. But why do I add that? Well, and what do I mean by it? Let me approach the first question first. Why do I add that? The reason is because when we talk about a Christian classical education, we're not dropping something out of the sky that you and I have to figure out. We're not um, creating some new category. We're talking about something that has been talked about, studied, practiced, uh, experimented with, proven. 
repeatedly proven for over 2,000 years. And you might say that truth, goodness, and beauty are the principles that guide our selection as we build a curriculum, but what is the curriculum itself? I'm proposing to you that the curriculum is the seven liberal arts. That's what's been handed to us. By the fourth century, the seven arts had been codified as the basic curriculum. By the seventh century, Christians had developed all sorts of textbooks and summaries of the arts. And in the 19th century, they were still being taught in some places. But as thought disintegrated, the seven liberal arts were displaced. But what if, think of this, you know how we talk about branches of learning? You know, the sciences, there's this branch of learning and that branch of learning. Well, have you ever asked yourself, if those are the branches of learning, what's the trunk? The seven liberal arts, that's the trunk. Everything you have ever learned in your life, everything anybody has ever learned in his life, at least in his conscious mind, and possibly at all, he's been able to learn only because of the degree to which he has mastered the seven liberal arts. Well, I keep talking about the seven liberal arts. What am I talking about? Well, I have good news for you. We can divide them into two. And one group has three arts and the other group has four arts. Because they are three paths, we can talk about, well, we could just call them the three paths. We could also talk about the four paths or four ways or four roads, if you like. In Latin, the term is trivium and quadrivium. Tri meaning three, vium meaning it's kind of a neuter, abstract way of saying path. And then quad comes from quatuor, four. And vium again, quadrivium, okay, trivium, quadrivium, trivium, quadrivium, three paths, four paths. Why two groups? Well, if we start out with this idea, the seven arts are the arts by which the mind is trained to reason and, do you remember how they put it? Not only to reason, but to train the mind in virtue. Not only to reason, but to reason virtuously. The seven liberal arts are the arts by which the mind learns to reason virtuously. There are two fundamental things that the ancient Christians, the ancient Greeks, the ancient Hebrews recognize that humans do differently from all other creatures. We use language and we count. We use arithmos, from which we get arithmetic. We calculate. We use language and we calculate. Now, I would contend to you that if we are the image of God, and those are two things that we alone, of all the creatures, do, then language and calculation manifest something of the image of God. And we ought, therefore, to cultivate them. Well, the ancient Christians believed that fervently, and so they spent enormous amounts of time training each other in the arts of language and the arts of calculation. And what am I talking about? What, why three paths? Why four paths? Why seven total? 
Why are there, and why are they called the liberal arts? Well, I'll come back to that in just a moment, but let me talk about the three and four first. There are three language arts. There are four mathematical arts. Again, remember this is big dog level. Remember the picture of the dog. This is, this is the big general level, but there are three language arts, and they are the arts of logic, of grammar, and of rhetoric. If you're thinking, why did you say logic before grammar? I did that on purpose to confuse you because I want to make something very clear here. And that is that at this moment right now, I'm talking about the three arts of grammar, logic, and rhetoric. I'm not talking about the stages of grammar, logic, and rhetoric. Now, be careful how you take that. There's a relation between the two. But notice the arts can be talked about independently to some extent. They don't have to go in a given sequence. They can be, uh, they're arts, okay? The stages of a subject, the stages of a child's life are corollaries. They are, they are analogous to the arts, but I don't want to get lost in the stages right now. We're going to come back to that. But right now I want to talk about grammar, logic, and rhetoric as arts. And the main point is simply this. There are three arts of using language divided into grammar, logic, and rhetoric. And here's how I understand the distinctions. And, and again, please understand, we start general, we work to the particular. If you know these arts a little bit, you know that I'm not covering the whole thing. Okay, but here, here we go. Grammar is the art of constructing thoughts that are self-coherent, self, um, in, that are coherent within themselves. Put it over simply, they are sentences in which Subjects and predicates agree with each other. If I say the horse is red, the subject, the horse, agrees with the predicate is red. Okay? That's grammar in its most rudimentary sense. Logic, on the other hand, requires a whole bunch of propositions, a whole bunch of sentences. So now there's this thing called the syllogism, but let's not go there right now. Let's just say in logic, it's not just an individual sentence that has to be coherent. It's a whole series of sentences, a whole series of ideas, you might say, have to be coherent with each other. So if I say the horse is red, all horses are black, well, those two statements can't go together. So it's incoherent. And logic, just the pattern, the form of logic tells me something's wrong there. Rhetoric then is the art not only of making, they're not only of bringing coherence to thoughts, but get this, rhetoric is the art by which we can bring coherence to our community. Rhetoric is not the art of persuasion. I'm going to come back to this later. It's not the art of persuasion. The closest we come to that in anybody that I would respect on his definition is Aristotle, who said rhetoric is the art of finding all the available means of persuasion. That's different. The goal of rhetoric is to bring harmony to a community. The goal of logic is to bring harmony to your mind. And the goal of grammar is to bring harmony to a thought. Now, in my next episode, in the next Ask Andrew podcast, I'm going to address the question of the quadrivium. If the trivium is about bringing harmony to, to our minds and to our communities through language, thought, mind, and community through language, then what's the quadrivium? Is it also about harmony? Well, hang on. Let's think about that. If you have any questions... 
please send them to uh, to me through the link, either at the episode description on the website or the episode description in iTunes, and I will do my best to answer them in a prudent way where we can take these big picture principles, big picture definitions, and bring them into the circumstances of everyday life. In the meantime, may the Lord remember you in his kingdom. Thank you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.